Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for present. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So Eric Bilstadt, you know, in your newscast, you did not cover the big event of this weekend. Festa? Taff. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett, Alpine oh, Valley. Yes, 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 yes. It's a national holiday for us parrot heads. Do you know he's also playing Northwestern Mutual's uh, event this year? I know that. Yes, I, I know that. I've been, I've been working diligently <laughs> to try to get tickets to that that event, and I it's it's yeah, it's Tuesday night. Yeah, he's sticking around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I typically see Buffett twice: once at Alpine Valley and once at uh, once in Las Vegas yeah. in October. That's kind of my my my. Gration, yes, he, yes, I do know he's playing it. I, I thought that was supposed to be a secret. Is that obviously it's public now? I, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The employees know. Yeah, the employees know. Yeah, so I've, I've been actually, I've been, I have been working to try to do that. I, I don't have a, don't have a statement as to whether I've been successful about that. <laughs> yes, but I, I have been working hard. So that's at Alpine Valley. The other thing, and with with this weather, my, um, my son-in-law and my stepdaughter. They're big bicyclists, and this weekend there's this big fundraising bike ride for like leukemia, and it's 150. They call it the Scenic Shore Bike Ride, and it starts out in Mequon Saturday morning, and it goes up. It's a two-day bike ride, 150 wow, miles, and cool. it ends up in Marinette, I think. It's okay. either Manitowoc or Marinette, probably Marinette. But it's like a it's an it's an overnight. It starts out yes tomorrow morning early, like at an MAT, at MATC, and we've got some people that are like staying over at our house tonight, and then early in the morning. It's quite an operation to see. I mean, it's you know you because they have all these people, all these people they're going to ride, and hundreds and hundreds yeah, yeah. of people ride in it. They go there first thing in the morning, and they have all these volunteers who take people's bags and stuff. And and then what they do is the volunteers get in these trucks and they drive ahead because everybody stays. I forget where they stay overnight. Maybe Manitowoc is where they stay the first night okay. at, at a place. But they bring everybody's bags up to that area. And then they, there's a designated spot where people set up and do lunch and all. But it, it's 150 miles over two days. And like I say, my my son-in-law and my stepdaughter and for the first time, my, my granddaughter, who's 15, she's doing it as well. So it's actually it's a very cool thing. But I'm thinking, my God, if it's 90 right? plus degrees, yeah. you know, you, you don't want rain, but uh, yeah, I don't know, ninety plus degrees. Eh. Yeah, so, get through. I think if you used your motorbike that you the, have the e bike, absolutely yeah, e bike, then you'd be fine. You could well, do that. I okay, I don't think I'm up to that quite yet. But you know, we were talking about it, and and the the fact is, Jimmy, but did I mention Jimmy Buffett's at Alpine <laughs> yeah. Valley? So so that kind of took I that kind of took me out of the conversation. But yeah, this is it's it's quite. I'm I'm very actually I'm very proud of my son-in-law and my stepdaughter for doing this, and um, it, it's quite an event to watch all these bikes and these bikers go off, and um, it, it's a serious thing. Maybe next year. Maybe not, but you we'll know, see, but we'll but maybe next year. Absolutely. Okay, we've got a lot of ground to cover cover on today's program. Some serious stuff, some lighter stuff. We're going to mix it all in. You want to know how much it costs to sexually assault somebody in Milwaukee County? There is a dollar figure that's out there. Seventy five hundred dollars. 
Well, Jeff, how, 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 what do you mean $7,500? How, how can that be? Where does this come from? Well, let me tell you the story about a former UWM professor. If you haven't seen this, his name is Anthony Azenabor. He's 59 years old and he taught graduate students at UWM and apparently like about infectious diseases and things of the like. He had dual citizenship, Nigeria, and the United States. Well, what happened was last year, he was, well, actually earlier this year, he ended up being charged with sexual assault of one of his students. I mean, these graduate students had to work with him. Story is this one woman who's into her PhD program. She says she started meeting with him in September of 2017 for her required research. Um, Then he started making sexual comments and then he started inappropriately touching her, and then she says he, he raped her in May of 2018. Another UWM student told police that he essentially had done the same thing to her, and they said, you know, and then they threatened these these women, saying, if, if you come forward, don't you realize I'm this powerful guy here at UWM, and if you come forward, um, you know, you're, you're, we're going to just kill your career. You're not going to get your, your graduate degree. So last March... He was charged with sexual assault of of the one woman. To its credit, UWM and the UW Board of Regents fired the guy the next month in in April. Um, He was scheduled to go to trial. Let me see. I got the trial date. He was um, scheduled to go to trial on August 19th. But in the interim, there's all sorts of appearances. When he made his initial appearance... He was ordered. Now, keep in mind, this is a guy who is a dual citizen of the U.S. and Nigeria. When he appeared for his initial appearance, he was released, despite the fact that he was a dual citizen, which means he could pretty much come and go as he as he chooses. And um, he ended up being released on a cash bond of seven thousand five hundred dollars. $7,500. Okay, now let's review the bidding on this for just a minute. Here you have a guy who has citizenship in Nigeria. He's 59 years old. He's looking at a long stretch in prison. All right? Now put those things all together. And by the way, he's a dual citizen of Nigeria. So, all right, and he's lost his job. So he's lost his job. For all intents and purposes, moving forward, he is unemployable. I mean, regardless of how this case turns out, there's no other university in the country that's going to touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. So he is virtually unemployable. He's 59 years old. He's looking at a huge potential jail term. So surprise follows surprise. He doesn't show up, you know, at one of the pretrial hearings. Doesn't show up. So then, you know, all right, the court issues a bench warrant for him. They start looking. And now the reports are, well, good luck looking because he's gone. Apparently, he has left the country and prosecutors say he does not plan to return. Now, I don't know what the extradition deal is with Nigeria, but my guess is 
when they released him on $7,500 cash bail, a ridiculously low amount of bail, I hope somebody took a picture of him walking out the door because that's the last you are going to see of this guy. Now, they say, well, we made him, the judge says, well, we made him, we made him surrender his passport. Okay, well, big, big deal because he's a Nigerian citizen. So, all right, once you figure out a way to get out of this country, you know, you, you look, clearly he's back in Nigeria. He has no intention of coming back. I don't know, like I say, whether you can even go through the extradition process, but it appears for $7,500, you have somebody who was able to now get away with this horrible, horrible crime. And I, in fairness... I, I sometimes I get criticism and say, well, why don't you name the judges that let these low bail? The, the truth is, I, I don't know. I know the judge. I know the judge that was handling the case. That's Janet Protasewicz. What I don't know is whether she's the one that set the bail. And I can't figure it out because the Wisconsin Circuit Court System website, it's down. I think it probably has to do with all the stuff that's going on in Madison today. So I don't know who set the ridiculously low bail. But $7,500 for a guy who has dual citizenship, whose life is essentially over from an employment perspective and who's looking at a long prison term in jail, who in their right mind would think that that would be an appropriate bond? And clearly it wasn't. Because the guy took off $7,500 to commit a heinous crime. That's the cost of sexual assault in Wisconsin, or at least in Milwaukee County. We're back with much more in just a minute, including the question, if you support Donald Trump, does that mean that you are necessarily a racist? Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. All right, the the big controversy this week started on Sunday with uh, tweets sent out by President Trump. One of one of his, I, I think, character flaws, and there there may be many, is that he just he's thin skinned, and his response to attacks is to lash out. I call it punching down. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, if you're the president of the United States. Who cares what a handful of congresswomen may be saying about you, especially a bunch of like semi-socialist, really, really left-wing congresswomen? But, but President Trump just can't leave it alone. Now, last week, he was winning. He was winning because what happened is you had some of these very, very left-wing congresswomen. They were in a major league peeing match with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. And it was the people were playing the race card. A couple of these congresswomen were saying, well, Nancy Pelosi has to be racist because she's not following our agenda, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, the race card is getting played. So you had moderate Democrats who are scared as heck that the Democratic Party is going to move into the direction of the Ilian Omars of the world. And then you had, you know, some people. People on the left who are upset that the moderates aren't coming along with them. So all President Trump has to do is sit back and watch. And he can't help himself. Sunday morning, he decides to wade in and respond. And he decides to take on these congresswomen. And everybody knows right now he sends out this tweet. And in the tweet, he uses the phrase that um, if, if they don't like this country, they should go back to where they came from. 
a very, very charged statement. I mean, three of the four congresswomen, um, despite whatever, regardless of what their ethnicity is, they were born in America. The fourth one is a naturalized citizen. Okay, so by using the phrase, go back to where you came from, this ends up uniting everybody. Oh, he's racist. This is so terrible. President Trump doubles down. He then says, no, I'm not going to apologize for this type of stuff. You know, look, you should see the horrible things that they're saying about this country. If they don't like it, they should leave it. At a rally in North Carolina in the middle of the week, you have people who start chanting, send her back, send her back, referring to one of the congresswomen. And, you know, the controversy goes on and on day after day. And we're not talking about the important stuff, at least policy-wise. We're not talking about health care. We're not talking about immigration reform. We're not talking about fixing Social Security. We're not talking about the debt ceiling. We're talking about, oh, there's the two Americas and the racism and things like that. There is a column that caught my attention in today's Chicago Tribune. And the headline is, there's no difference between supporting a racist and being one. And so there's two premises here. Premise number one is Donald Trump is a racist. You know, his history in general and that remark in particular demonstrates that by saying send her back to where she came from, that means that he is a racist. And number two, if you support Donald Trump, that means that you necessarily are a racist. I want to talk about that second aspect, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If you are one of the Trump supporters, if you intend to vote for the president again, if you think you might intend to vote for the president again, does that necessarily mean that you are a racist? Is that a fair charge to make? Or is the left overplaying its hand? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you support Trump, does that mean that you must be a racist? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, we'll get your calls in just a minute. Let me just give you a sample of some of the tweets I'm getting. Simple answer to your question, Jeff, is yes. Uh, Jeff, so disappointed you drank the Kool-Aid. I have no idea what that means. Uh, Jeff, you have to consider the source. I really don't care if those people think I'm a racist because I support the president. Uh, Let's see. I have a Facebook acquaintance who is both African-American and very pro-Trump. Is she racist? Another text. I'm an Hispanic-American. I support Trump. Does that mean that I am racist? Jeff, female voter for Trump here, and I will vote for him again in 2020. Of course, I don't feel I'm a racist, but I do feel that we've lost sight of what true racism is because we throw that around word around so freely and without regard to its real meaning. It has just become a political weapon. All right, uh, Jeff, I don't believe you're a racist if you support Trump. However, if you do vote for him, you're saying that you are OK with his behavior and that you're OK with our president acting in such a matter. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Vincent on the northwest side. Hi, Vincent. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? Uh, no. If you support uh, uh, Donald Trump, the fact is it doesn't necessarily make you a racist. But the fact is there are racists supporting him, the Ku Klux Klan, the uh, neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. and the skinheads who support him. Which and, is why, I'll let you finish, but which is why... It infuriates so many of the rest of us when he sends out tweets like this because it plays into that fringe element of society that is out there. Exactly. And and my point is when you, you know, I know you're a dog lover, but when you lay down with dogs, sometimes you get fleas on you. And when they were chanting, and that crowd was chanting, sent her back. 
it, it, it just it just sent it just cold chill down my my back because when my father walked walked across that uh, uh, Sixth Street Viaduct in the '60s to the South Side, that was the same chance they were saying, "Go back to Africa, go back. You need yeah. to go back. Send go back to Africa if you don't love America. Go back, go back. We don't want you here." The same kind of chant at the '60s is that was that chant that we heard in, yep. in that crowd that he was speaking to, and then if and, and if Donald Trump said he felt bad about it. But if he felt bad about why did he feel bad about it if, if he made the same statement and he didn't think it was racist? Why would he feel bad about when the crowd was saying he Right, and, and he didn't shut it down. I he mean, did not you know, shut it down. if he you think, there. remember back in the 2008 election, John McCain had, yeah. and I understand John McCain is very, very controversial in conservative circles, but there was some woman at one of these rallies who asked a question about Obama's, I think it was a birther question, as I recall, yeah, and, and, and McCain just shut her down and said, look, you know, there's, we're not going there. You know, and, he's, an, he's an American. Now, that's character. Right. Now, that's character. And, 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 and I'm going to say a statement here real quick, and, you know, and it's from the Bible, and, and, and I don't want to take up your time, but the fact is I may butcher it. But it said, what does it gain a man if he has all the riches in the world and he loses his soul? And every day that, that Donald Trump does what he does, a little bit of the soul of the Republican Party gets taken away. Yeah, well, thanks for call, Vince. I, I mean, I, here, here is – we're going to take more calls in a minute, but I, I kind of bootstrapping on what you're saying. No, I do not think – now, if, if – I do not think that if you support Donald Trump, that means that you are a racist. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't. Now, I agree with Vincent absolutely. There are clearly racists who support Donald Trump, and some of this language, like I say, that's what's so frustrating, plays into this. I may very well vote for Donald Trump. I, as I have said before, to me, it is going to be a binary choice. It depends it depends. There's all sorts of stuff that Trump does that just drives me absolutely bat crap crazy. And it's the tweets and it's all this unnecessary stuff and it's all the chaos and it's all the drama and things like that. But I will tell you at the same time, if the alternative is a president like Bernie Sanders who wants to blow up health insurance and open borders and pay off everybody's student debt and essentially decide that you're going to completely remake America in a socialist image. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can't support that. Now, does that make me a racist because I'm not willing to go that far? Well, okay, I guess you can decide from yourself. I, I don't like the way that term is thrown around, that, okay, if you support Donald Trump because of some of the tweets he does, that automatically means that you're homophobic or xenophobic or racist or whatever. No, it doesn't. But at the same time, I do wish that President Trump would be more thoughtful about how he uses language. And I guess I've been saying that for the last three or four years. It's not going to change. I, I understand. And candidly, I don't know if this last exchange is going to hurt him or help him. How could it help him? Well, it could help him by making the Ilian Omars and the Alexandria Ortez Cortezes. If they're the face of the Democratic Party, that's going to hurt the Democrats. If Somebody more moderate comes along. There's going to be lots of swing voters who are offended by this, including all the naturalized citizens that are in this country already who say, hey, wait a second, I'm a naturalized citizen. What do you mean go back to where I came from? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Lamar calling us from Orlando. Hi, Lamar. Hey, it's 90 degrees out here, pal. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, it's kind of funny that all my uh, Wisconsin friends are complaining about the heat. It's like, <laughs> you guys, just in four months, you'll be in the opposite end of the spectrum. Exactly, yeah. But 90 is the norm down here. But um, I'm just going to piggyback on what Vincent said. I agree 
that while I don't, I don't think that, you know, those that vote for Trump or support him are necessarily racist, but what I find troubling is that he, he seems to cater to that group, and he yeah. seems to like to speak to that group, that fringe group of racists and white supremacists. And there are black conservatives. Uh, there's a video mm-hmm. going around Facebook about a young black conservative who says that while he knows that there's a group of the, of the base that is racist and, you know, you know, et cetera, but, you know, he's okay with that so long as the economy is good. And that's troubling because it's like, okay, are we okay with, is it okay that, you know, we have a racist president so long as the economy is good? So we, we, we accept the racism because we're, you know, we're, we're doing well and making money. Is that acceptable? And that's what I find troubling. And my only issue is that no one holds him accountable. And so he ramps mm-hmm. up the rhetoric. If he wins reelection, you know, it, and he continues the same rhetoric, that is to me as an African-American troubling. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, it, it's fine because, you know, the economy is good, so we can be racist. And, you know, this, this whole ugly part of our, you know, our, of America can, you know, resurface. That's my Let me ask you about his comment itself, um, which I think is clearly inappropriate. And, and I understand why there is all the, the commotion about it. You know, go back to where you came from. Is it too broad a statement to say, okay, you say something like that, it's a stupid thing to say. It is a hurtful thing to say. It is an inflammatory thing to say. Is it too broad a leap to say, okay, he sends out this tweet, that automatically means he has to be a racist? I don't – it's not just the tweet, though. There's a lot of things that – it's not – the tweet is just one piece of the evidence. Right. You know, you're a you know, former prosecutor. You know, it's one thing to say, well, he owned the gun, so he shot the person. But he also had beef with the person. He was also at the scene of the crime. You know, you know what I'm saying? There's mm-hmm. other things that have added up to this. This is just one of many of the things that he's done that adds up to it. I, I for one, have never openly said he was racist. This, for me, was a strong about the campus back. Yeah. Well, thank, like, no. every, all the stuff is starting to add up. No, well, thanks. Well, it's, it's clearly – and again, I, I just – I don't know how smart he is. And, and again, I, he's clearly – he is uh, – he gets angry – and so he kind of he kind of lashes out. And by the way, there are ways that he could have sent out this tweet and conveyed similar sorts of thoughts without 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 bringing in this issue. For example, I think he could have said, "Hey, all right, there, you know, here you have these people that are touting, you know, this or that or the other thing. You know, if they think this is so great, why don't they move to Venezuela or why don't they move to Cuba or whatever? You could say that that conveys, I, I think, essentially the same message without, you know, without interjecting this dog whistle that is creating all the problems, which is why I, I think a lot of us just wish somebody would come away and, and take away that phone so you could say, at least somebody would say, Mr. Mr. President, I don't know what you intend to say here, but do you realize, you know, that this is, do you realize what this is going to harken back to, and do you understand how some people are going to interpret this? 414-799-1620, Sam in Milwaukee. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Sam. Okay, let's try Bill in Brookfield. Bill, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? Um, well, I, I think that if you're you're not a racist if you vote or support Donald Trump, but if you are a racist, you definitely vote for and support Donald Trump. Similar to what our last couple callers have been saying, that, that these remarks clearly, you know, people who have people who are racists 
are a subset of the people who are going to be really responding to these remarks. Correct. I think that if you pulled all of the racists, there would be zero, you know, on the side of any of the of the Democrats, and all of them would be voting for Donald Trump. So when you're picking, you know, what side you're going to align yourself with, that should be a telling indicator. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but let me let me ask you the right. So you're saying, okay, you don't want to be you don't want to be a member of that club, but l- let's. Let's let's talk about like issues, and, and let's say just for the sake of argument that the Democrats end up nominating somebody who has really really far to the left, who has a very very fundamentally, who wants to make remake America in a very different way. Let's let's do away with the whole private insurance system. Let's open our borders, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Follow me on that. Okay. Yeah. So if because those policies scare you or you just don't agree with them or you think they're going to be disastrous for the country and as a result trump is the alternative is there something wrong with voting for trump yes uh it's it should scare you more to have a racist president than any of those things it's just that it's the soul of the nation a lot of the democrats are coming out and saying this is an election you know this is about the soul of the nation. Mm-hmm. this is i really believe you know in in years past you know, you can pick apart the policies and this and that, and what you what you support and whatnot. But when you come to this fork in the road, where you have a president who is pretty overtly racist, I mean, there's just been several examples where anybody who's being truthful about it can't deny that it's that he's he's done some pretty racist things. That, in my opinion, is where you draw the line. And regardless of your policy opinions, it just can't be that way in America. Good enough. Thanks. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, though. I, I, I get the perspective. I the, the, here. I'll tell you what bothers. I, I don't agree with that because I think. I mean, I hate the phrase binary choice, but I do think it is a binary choice. I think there's, and I've been saying this for years. I, I, I on a personal level, I, I didn't like Donald Trump when he was the businessman, the, the loud brash businessman. I didn't like him when he was on Celebrity Apprentice and Apprentice. I just. There's so many different aspects of it, whether and, and, you know, the bombast and the egotism and the narcissism and all that type of stuff that just it's not me. I find it to be off putting. I cringe with all these different tweets um, at the same time. I, I do for me. And this is just my take. And you can draw whatever conclusions you want. If the choice that I am presented with is somebody who really wants to completely and totally upend America in ways that I do not think are healthy for myself, my family, my community, and my country. And, and Donald Trump, for all the bombast and all the other stuff, you know, is is not going to be like that. Well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to end up voting for, for Trump. My concern is that is there going to be a line at which he crosses where – there's a lot of people who say, even though, hey, we like where the economy is going and we're in a time of relative peace and prosperity, and we don't know how this is all working, but you know what? We're not at war. Um, our 401ks are going up. We have pretty close to full employment. My concern is, is there going to be, is there a line that Donald Trump crosses where, again, the, the moderate voters, the swing voters simply say, we're just tired of the chaos and we're tired of all this controversy? I don't know. The flip side of it is it could be brilliant politically because if you're a Democrat and you want to beat Donald Trump, okay, let's take aside the issue of racism in the comments. Do, do you really want the face of your party to be the Alexandria Ortez Cortezes and the Ilhan Omars and some of the rest? Nancy Pelosi knows they don't. 
Um, many, many, many moderate Democratic governors and congressmen and senators know they don't. Um, if Trump succeeds in making it a me versus them in the far left, he may very well win. Now, is that a proper strategy? Uh, you can certainly argue about that. But I guess is the premise, are you automatically a racist if you're still considering voting for Donald Trump? I'm sorry, that's just a bridge too far. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric, during your newscast, you, 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 you made a reference. I always It's quintessential Milwaukee, and I don't know if you just said it or intended to say it. Stop and go, Lane. Yes, yes. I, I, was go- I was going to ask you, I mean, typically when you... Come up to a controlled intersection, and there's a thing on the corner, and it changes color to tell you to go or not. What do you call that? I generally call it a stoplight. Right. But in this time, this this one time, <laughs> I you, did say stop and go. I, there's nothing wrong with it, but that is quintessential Milwaukee. That you know, I'm not sure there's any other place in the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where where those yeah, things are referred to as as a stop and go light. So mm-hmm. okay. I, I see I was listening. I heard I this it's stop that. and go light. You know the other thing that's kind of what's well, kind of quintessential Wisconsin, it's where guys refer to their spouse as the wife. Like I was I was talking to the wife the other day. Now I, I don't know what other people's experience are, but whether it was my late wife or my current wife, if I refer to them as the wife, I'm in trouble. Yeah, I was going to say, know, that a, one, what, yeah. you know, mm. what do you mean? I have a name. What do you mean? What, what's this, what do you mean the wife? Or, you know, it's a, I'm going home and talk to the wife and tell her I don't think we should have fish for dinner tonight or whatever. Yeah. All right, yeah. so, th- those are, I, just, I, I stay away from that one. Yeah, from yeah, <laughs> definitely I'm, stay away from that. Yes, I just it's the, but those are it's quintessential Wisconsin stuff. Hey, speaking of quintessential Wisconsin stuff, it is now up on our website. State Fair rolls around. Well, it starts two weeks from yesterday. Man, where is the summer going? To me, I, I understand there's summer after the state fair, but summer, you know, I th- you think the kind of the state fair, and after that, you start thinking about people, kids going back to school and all. But we are, as we have done in the past, once again, we're doing our Cream Puff Apalooza, which is the day before the state fair opens. It's two weeks from two days ago, two weeks from uh, Wednesday, last Wednesday. That's the day before the state fair opens. And, and here's the way it's going to work. Um, we're giving away cream puffs. And I know many of you have participated this in this in the past. I will be out there early in the morning, starting at 6.20 in the morning. I will be there. Along with the wife, no, along with my wife Fran. Actually, she's coming out. This, this. I said, you got to see this once. I, you know, I don't know how often we're going to do this, but you got to see this once. And so we're going to be out there. But the first six hundred and twenty cars that are in line, we will give each of those cars a three pack of cream puffs and a thing of milk from from the state fair. So three pack of cream puffs. And a, a thing of milk, um, 620 vehicles, when they're gone, they're gone. Now, my experience over the years has been people come out really early and start getting in line. Where do we do this? Well, we do this at the main gate to the, the state fair. It's the U.S. Cellular main gate. That's, that's in front of the, the Pettit Ice Center. And um, then it kind of dumps out onto 84th Street. But they have the State Fair Police there, and we have um, Milwaukee Police or West Dallas Police or whatever. 
They're always there helping us organize traffic and things like that. We keep account. So the first 620 vehicles in line, we will give you a three-pack of cream puffs to help get it all started for the State Fair. It starts, as always, the day before the State Fair. This year, it kicks off at 6.20 in the morning. It's a three-pack of cream puffs. Hope to see you there. It's always, always, always a lot of fun. Okay. There, I, we're, we've got one or two more serious topics, and then we kind of lighten it up as, as the program moves on. But I, I see, I'm very, very intrigued about where we're going with health insurance in this country. And you know, in, in the last segment, we, we were talking about the different views that, that people have and some of the candidates have with regard to health insurance, which is a big deal for all of us. I mean, and I, I don't care if you're 25. You know, maybe you don't think health insurance is such a big deal at 25, but trust me, you will by the time you hit 45. And if you're, you know, older and you're starting to deal with some of these medical problems that we have, whether it's a bad hip or you're fighting diabetes or you've got all these other concerns, you know, it, it's it's a big deal. It is a concern. And there are legitimate concerns about health insurance, including, you know, is it going to be available? Is it going to be affordable? It's one of those things, and this is what happens with insurance in general. You know, all of us, we hate to pay it. I mean, you, you, you hate to pay your automobile insurance, It's but, but you do it because you need to. Maybe you hate to pay that life insurance premium, because, but you do it because you need to. Maybe you hate to pay for disability insurance, but you do it because you need to. And health insurance is another one of those things that... Well, you know, I, I've got health insurance, but I, I just I hate that my employer takes money out of my paycheck every two weeks or twice a month. I hate the fact that I've got these deductibles. I hate the fact that I still have to, you know, when I get my prescription drugs, I have to pay for some of it. And, and I get it. There are legitimate concerns about that. That is why there are some politicians that think this, the, the key issue and the key to winning in 2020 is going to be, essentially blowing up the American health care system and going to single, what they call either single payer or socialized medicine, essentially saying all these people that work for private health insurance carriers now, okay, we're, we're closing you down. You are out of jobs. And the government will take care of all the insurance for, for people. And so all the private employers that cut deals with the different private insurance companies and hospitals and things like that, forget about all that. Everything will go through the government. And everybody agrees, I think, that if that happens, the cost of health insurance for most people is going to go up dramatically. I think most people agree with that. Um, some people might be better off. Some people might be worse off. But it's completely turning the system on it on, on its ear. Now, I bring this up because I, I just I pulled up the numbers this morning. Right now in this country, and, and my numbers are from about a year ago, so maybe they've changed slightly, but you'll get the idea. Right now in this country, 155 million people, 155 million people get their health insurance through their private employer. 155 million people you go to work you get benefits etc 76 million people are covered by the government program medicaid 55 million 
are covered by the government program Medicare, which is essentially 65 and older. So if you add up the total number of people who are covered by Medicaid and Medicare, that still doesn't equal the number of people who get their insurance through the private system. So the vast majority of people get their insurance through their employers. Then you've got Medicaid. Then you've got Medicare. And then you have somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 million people who are covered by the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare or whatever. So that that, that public thing right now is a very, very small percentage of the overall insurance. Some of the people who are pushing Medicare or Medicaid for all what, what they want to do is they want to do away with the whole private insurance system entirely. That would be Bernie Sanders. That would be Elizabeth Warren. That would be some of the others. Get rid of all the private insurance that is out there. Those of you who are on Medicare and have Medicare supplements, get rid of those. They're, they're going to be gone. There's going to be no more private insurance. It's all going to be run through the government. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, look, I, I understand that health insurance is controversial, and I understand that there's people who have individual beefs about, oh, okay, gee, I didn't get covered for this, or I have to pay too much for that. But it is my premise that the vast majority of people are relatively satisfied, or given the nature that it's insurance, you know, you, you're paying for something you hope you never have to use. It's my position that the vast majority of people are relatively satisfied with what they have and are not ready to completely and totally blow up the system. That is, I, I think the vast majority, the 155 million people, yeah, you like to be able to choose your doctors. You like to be able to, you know, have the flexibility that you have. Would you like to pay less? Absolutely. We'd all like to pay less, but you're happy. The vast majority, I think, of people who are covered by Medicare are probably satisfied. I think the vast number of people who are on Medicare combined with the, um, the, the supplements that they have to pay, I think they're satisfied, as with Medicaid. So, I want to just tee this up for a segment. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we really at a point in this country where things are so bad in the health insurance world that we really want to blow up everything that we have in place now in exchange for socialized medicine or, you know, the government controlling everything? And I honestly don't think we're there. 414-799-1620, we discuss next. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so very glad to have you with us. Let's start with Bob in Waukesha. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Good. What do you think about all this? I mean, do, are we really ready to blow up our health care system? I don't think we need to do that, but I am on Medicare, and I love it. But there are people that have deductibles of $6,000, $8,000. Just think if you have two incidences in one year or apart, you know, one year and then the next year. Mm -hmm. That's that's $16,000. You're in debt. I worked with two women that had children that had health problems, and both of them had to file bankruptcy. What needs to be done is the politicians, Republicans and Democrats, 
need to sit down and take what's wrong with Obamacare and fix it. These high deductibles, you know, people avoid going to the doctor because of the because of the high copays mm-hmm. and the deductibles, and then they end up going to the hospital because what could have been caught early and treated without going to the hospital, now you're in the hospital and it really costs money. Let me ask you this, Bob. Do you think it's reasonable to ask people to pay a little bit more, you know, every two weeks or whatever, in exchange for having lower deductibles? I do, Mm -hmm. but here's the other side of the coin. You know, when you guys criticized Obama, because if if you want to keep your doctor, you can keep it. When you work for an employer, a lot of employers every year switch coverage. Mm-hmm. And the doctor you were seeing, you can't see him because he's not in, in, in the network. Not in the well, plan. well in I mean, network. you can see right. him. Right. And thanks for calling, Bob. I mean, you can see him. You just have to, right. If you're, and you, you say a lot of employers switch every year. I don't know that I think that that's accurate. But yeah, you're, you're right. Network changes from time to time and you know it's possible that yeah even in the private system you can lose your doctor now there's no question that you know president obama oversold obamacare if you like your doctor you can keep it but 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 i but by the way i don't disagree and and i'm going to be the last one to say that the health insurance system is perfect and i understand exactly what you're talking about the idea is if you've got a six thousand dollar deductible well, okay, you know, you're, you're as a practical matter, unless you have some sort of catastrophic thing that happens, you're probably never going to end up hitting that. Now, if you have a catastrophic situation, like, you know, your spouse gets diagnosed with cancer, you're going to be darn glad that you have that. But regardless, I, I, I think that's a fair thing. Is it also fair then to say, okay, maybe in exchange for that lower deductible, just like with automobile insurance, all right? I mean, let's say you've got you've got collision insurance, and if your deductible is... Okay, you're paying more for insurance if your deductible is $500, where you have to match the first $500 out of pocket, than you are if the insurance is, uh, the deductible is $1,000. I mean, it's just, it's those factors. And, and I don't, I don't disagree that there's all, we, you need to get people together. I, there needs to be more transparency. You need to, whatever you're going to do, guarantee a situation where, you know, there, there's affordable coverage for pre-existing conditions. So if you're 64 years old and you decide that you want to retire, that you, you know, you should have some some vehicle to, you know, have some insurance between then and the time you're eligible for Medicare, I agree they need to get together. My only point is I don't think you need to blow up the system. Fred on the west side. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Fred. Hi, Jeff. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not necessary to blow up the system. You know, for one thing, it, it's it's too hard to get a system in place and an agreement on one in our country. You know, and, and it's extremely, it's impossible almost to do it. You have to sacrifice all your political capital early. You know, and 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 then there's the 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 the, the cost to right. you know that goes on. But the other thing is about being happy with. You know, everybody with their insurance companies. Every I, I travel in a lot of different circles, and the vast nine out of ten people are not happy with with insurance companies because of all the things that you know have been mentioned by by other other people, and uh, the, the costs are just you know way too high, and they're they're really unaffordable. And 
the, the vast majority of people, you know, the incomes today, you know, you're about the, the, the wages and so forth, haven't kept up. Well, those the medical cost is the biggest cost outside of a car and a mortgage, mm-hmm. you know, in a person's budget, and there's not much left today. And when uh, you look at the um, demographics, you know, today uh, in the job situation, I mean, you got more people coming into the systems, and the insurance companies, you know, also have problems. They're, they're like banks. They have uh, these uh, branches on every corner so that the costs just keep getting higher. So I don't know what the answer is, but the answer is not blowing up the system. It's, it, it, it's something plus building on what we have and correcting what we have. I, and, and I agree, Fred. See, I guess, and I guess, see, that's my, that's my point. The idea of, okay, socialized medicine or something or single payer, to me, that's looking into the uh, abyss. Are there issues with health care that we all have? Of course there are. And with more transparency, is there a way you can figure out how to, to lower some of these runaway costs? Absolutely. That's where the conversation to me should be, though. And unfortunately, we're not having that conversation. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We are back. There's an interesting piece, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on politics, but for guys like me that are political junkies and numbers crunchers, there's a really interesting story in the New York Times, and it, it talks about President Trump's re-election. And, and the, one of the big points is they th- it says that, you know, despite his overall you know, popularity rating being underwater, if you look at the states that he carried in 2016 that gave him the Electoral College majority, there's a very good chance that he may carry many of those same states again. And bottom line is, if you read through it, that this analysis, it focuses a lot on Wisconsin, saying that little old Wisconsin here may very well be the determining factor in whether or not President Trump is reelected. So you know that we're going to be getting a lot of attention. The point of the article is he might lose the popular vote by a greater total then he lost the popular vote in 2016. But again, the, the popular vote isn't how we pick presidents. We, we pick presidents by state-by-state state counts in the Electoral College. And the analysis, they, they say that, you know, in, in many of the states that he won before, he, he's, he may very well win again. And they think that Wisconsin might be the one that's most likely to uh, switch. Kind of an interesting thing. And if you're wondering, over the course of the next, you know, year and a half, if you think you're going to be seeing presidential candidates in Wisconsin a lot, and if you think you're going to be hearing a lot of political ads on TV and radio, the answer is you will. And it's because we, we always talk about Wisconsin being a swing state. This year, in the next election, the 2020 election, Wisconsin might be, it might be the state that decides who is the next president. Interesting. All right. Been waiting all day to discuss this issue with you. McDonald's has a corporate policy that employees, male employees, must be clean-shaven. That's the corporate policy. Now, there are, they do have a little bit of latitude, and in some, in some cases, they have allowed franchisees to make minor modifications to that. And so there are some McDonald's franchisees where the males are allowed to have a, a neatly trimmed mustache or, in some cases, a goatee. 
but they don't they they don't allow nobody allows full beards right and the general policy is clean shaven but a couple exceptions that they've allowed certain franchisees to make okay so here's the deal guy goes in his name is Mortiza Jawadi September of 2016 he goes into a McDonald's in uh, Florida and he applies for a maintenance job now um, the gentleman is an Hasidic Hasidic Jewish man and this is this particular branch of Judaism the men do not they do not shave um, the the it goes back to something in the Bible, Leviticus nineteen twenty seven. Ye shall not round the corners of your heads, nor shalt thou mar the corners of thy beard. So, because of his religious beliefs, he doesn't shave. So he's got one of these. Well, he doesn't shave. He's got one of these big beards. All right, because of his religion. All right. So the the guy at the McDonald's says, "Well, well, look, we're, we're sorry." You got to be clean shaven. If you want this job, you got to shave off the beard. And the guy says, "Well, I can't shave off my beard. It's against my religion." He says, "What I would do is I would be willing to wear like a, a hairnet, a beard net. I guess I, you know, I've, I've never had a beard." So he said, "I would be willing to wear like like a beard net, you know, um, if if that's the concern. But I'm not going to shave." McDonald says, "I'm sorry. Our our policy is all men have to be clean shaven. Period." So they turn him down. He then turns around and he goes to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, and he says, hey, my religion says I have to, I I can't shave. I've got this big beard. I applied at McDonald's. They told me no. All right, um, what do you do? Well, the other day, the EEOC filed a lawsuit against this particular McDonald's saying, hey, they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't have made him shave. He he shouldn't have had to choose between his sincerely held religious belief and earning a living. And they further argued that, well, in this particular case, they should have been able to accommodate him and their concerns about sanitation or appearance or whatever. It, it would have been all solved by wearing a beard net. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am curious as to how you relate and react to this decision. Guy, he's an ascetic Jew, so I mean, it, it's this. This is part of the teaching. He's got this big, huge beard. McDonald's doesn't hire people with beards. They say you got to shave. They tell him you got to shave. He says no. You're discriminating against me. You should just hire me and let me wear this beard net. Who's right and who's wrong? Did McDonald's go too far? Should they have to hire this guy? If he refuses to shave, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss in just a moment. Shave or shove off? We'll discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Now, here's what the law says on this. The law says, federal law says, an employer has to reasonably accommodate an applicant's or employee's sincerely held religious beliefs unless it poses an undue hardship. So the question really com- becomes, does allowing this guy to, I guess, wear a wear a beard net, does that, and he's working around a kitchen, 
does that impose an undue hardship on McDonald's? Now, here's a text, Jeff. I certainly do not want to take my food from somebody with a beard like that. Beards are full of germs. There's no way to avoid it. If it's company policy, then don't apply there. Okay, 414-799-1620. Let's start with Russ in Milwaukee. Hi, Russ. Hi, Jeff. Yeah, Russ, I'm sorry, I got to let you go because your phone, the volume was way, way down. You were talking about how you have a beard. When you're in a restaurant, you become concerned when you see people that, that have the beards. 414-799-1620. I had a, uh, had a college debate coach. He had, uh, we're, we're after lunch, so I can tell this story. He had this giant beard, and you could always tell what he had by lunch, for lunch. By I mean, it was just, it was, you know, and he'd, he'd clean it out and stuff, but it was just, it was just, it was this huge, huge beard. It wasn't like a neatly trimmed beard. 414-799-1620. But, of course, that's not the standard. As long as this is a sincerely held religious belief, um, the, the, McDonald's has to, has to accommodate them unless it is an undue hardship. And I guess that that's really what the question is. Is it, to me, does a beard net work? You know, is, is that enough? I mean, obviously, I don't, candidly, I mean, guys with big, bushy beards working in a kitchen in or around food that's being prepared, that doesn't strike me as being the best idea. But I, I, is is a beer net, beard net the, the great solution? Does that solve the problem? Zach in Milwaukee. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, Zach. Uh, so I'm kind of with the guy that we couldn't hear last time. I'm kind of on the same tone where I have a big beard, and, I, I mean, I personally wouldn't even approach trying to find a job in the food service industry. And I'm, although I'm sensitive to people's beliefs and stuff like that, you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where just, you know, chase down another career is kind of how I feel about it. Well, he says a beard net would solve the problem. I mean, somebody who's never really had any significant beard, and now, now I won't grow one because it comes in white. It makes me look ten uh, yeah. years older. You know how that goes. Um, I've had a job where they tried to. They were thinking about imposing beard nets, and I was one of the test people to test it. And uh, I mean, this was in a warehouse, right? In food service, I I couldn't see it really preventing a stray hair from falling out. Okay, so yeah, your experience was it, it probably doesn't work that well. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for calling. Now, see, I mean, I see. I see this as. I think there's two issues here, and I guess my answer is, and I know sort of a definitive opinion on this, my answer is I'm not sure. I, if McDonald's, if their policy was, okay, people have to be clean-shaven because it's just the look we want, well, then, then they're going to lose. Um, to me, an undue hardship issue, the guy is working in a kitchen. Okay, so you're going to be around food. Now he applied for a maintenance job, but to me that that doesn't you're you're still around the food that is being prepared. To me, the question is whether or not a beard net is going to solve the the problem of of making sure that you don't get that stray hair that falls into somebody's food and ends up freaking them out. That that to me is the issue. And if if there is a, at least a, a reasonable likelihood that that's going to happen, well, then you, you've got an issue. I mean, th- this is one of the – it's a kind of a difficult thing. What about some of the folks that, for example, can't work on Friday nights? They can't work on the Sabbath? Well, 
all right, that, it, it, it's again, it's one of these case-by-case sorts of things because if you've got an employer that's open seven days a week and a person comes in and applies for a job and says, I can't work on, on Friday night, well, okay, you know, many times you can accommodate them by saying, okay, I'm going to schedule on, on other nights. If, on the other hand, you're applying for a job and the restaurant is only open on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, maybe it's a different story. Um, let's talk to Quincy in Milwaukee. Quincy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Quincy. I think... Most men should trim their beards if they want to get the job. Like, if I want to get a job at McDonald's, I would shave my beard and be prepared for it. Okay. Well, what if? But what if your religious beliefs say no? It, it's a sin to to cut your beard. You're not allowed to do that. I would do it anyway because I want to be able to treat people right and, and get with the service that they need. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. I, I guess I'm going to be following this one because again, I. I come in at it with, I don't know what the right answer is. Because, I mean, I understand the law. The law says if you've got a legitimately held religious belief, it, it should be accommodated. And by the way, I'm one of these guys who for 20 plus years on this radio station has stood up for the rights of, of people's legitimately held religious beliefs. And I, I don't want to go back on that. At the same time, I also think, you know, employers have certain rights a, as well. And to me, the whole question again comes down to, why is it that they have the rule? My guess is they have the rule for sanitation purposes. And so if that's the concern, yeah, I mean, is a beard net going to solve the problem? As a general rule, at the risk of alienating those of you who have the giant ZZ Top beards, I, I don't think, and I'm going to echo what somebody said earlier who has a beard, I, I don't think big, long, huge beards necessarily work very well in a kitchen type of setting, with all due respect. I mean, I just, I don't know that that's a, a very good, I don't know it's a very good mix from a health perspective, but but maybe, you know, maybe there ends up not being a problem. I will, uh, I've got this one marked because I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. The EEOC just filed the lawsuit the other day, so it's going to work its way through the courts. For its part, McDonald's says, hey, we, we've got these rules, and if they can demonstrate that there's still a sanitation concern, they probably win. If they can't, they probably lose. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, if this isn't a mess, it will do till a real mess gets here. The, the breaking news this afternoon is Iran, which is and has been a rogue nation for decades, has becoming been becoming more and more militant really you know like saber rattling you know daring daring the west to try to do something now this all centers around the strait of hormuz which is if when oil is coming through the middle east the strait of hormuz is this very narrow passage of water that um it, it narrows down and it iran is on one side and Iran, which, like I say, is a rogue nation, always monitors this. And what happens is you have a number of you know, oil tankers, for example, will pass through it going from one location to another. We in the West are not as dependent as we were on Mideast oil. But nevertheless, I mean, this is important. If all of a sudden that would get cut off, it would have a dramatic effect on, well, first of all, the economic conditions in a number of Middle Eastern countries, but also it would have effects on oil prices here and in other places. So Iran has been, again, saber-rattling for a while. 
um, what about a month or so ago, they put mines out in the Strait of Hormuz, and two like oil oil tankers hit them and and were disabled. Um, you had then the story of how the you know Iran shot down a, a U.S. drone, and and there's been other sorts of provocative things undertaken by Iran, which is under a lot of pressure because there's the gov- U.S. government has imposed significant sanctions on them, and it's really hurting the, the country politically, economically, etc. So they're responding, it seems to me, in the worst way they can, which is to, again, saber-rattle. Well, the story this afternoon is the Iranian guard, um, their, their military, Apparently, a series of gunboats and a helicopter surrounded a British oil tanker. And again, it's not a tanker owned by the the British government, but it's a tanker registered in Britain that's flying under a British flag. Um, It was surrounded. There's 23 people on this on the ship. It was surrounded by a series of heavily armed, you know, small patrol boats and a helicopter, and it was ordered to turn turn north. Essentially, it's been captured and seized, and it was, you know, being directed to a, um, <clears throat> you know, being directed to a an, an Iranian port. There, there was something like this that happened, you know, a couple days ago with the British Navy again, and in that case, there was a British warship there that that scared off. These these would be pirates because that's what they really are. They're, they're pirates. Scared them off, um, but they, they've done it again, and now they have seized you know one of these vehicle. One of the, they seized this tanker, and you've got twenty three, you got twenty three sailors on board that are now potentially you know being held hostage. And of course, this raises the larger question about you know what what about the next ship, and what about the next ship, and what about the next ship? It's very very clear that Iran is trying to precipitate a response from the the West, whether it's Britain or the United States or whatever. I don't know what the appropriate response would be. I I know that if you keep pushing on this. You know, you are going to get what you you asked for. I mean, there was a there was an incredible drumbeat after Iran shot down an unmanned U.S. drone to you know start sending a bunch of missiles in and you know taking out Iranian radar systems and missile launching sites and things like that. President Trump at the time overruled a number of his advisors, said that you know he he wasn't going to do it at this point in time, and kind of cooler heads prevailed. Unfortunately, since that happened, Iran has just become more and more, I, I don't know, enabled or, or whatever. They're now bolder, and now you have this British you know, tanker that's been seized. I, They are clearly trying to pick a fight in an effort to try to, I don't know, intimidate the West in general and the U.S. in particular for backing down on the economic sanctions and things like that. I doubt that that's going to work. I don't know enough about this right now to say, okay, we, we need a military response, but it, it's a mess there right now, and it's and it's getting worse. And the more Iran saber rattles, the more difficult it's going to be for Britain or for the U.S. or for other countries in the West just to continue to allow this to go on. Iran is clearly looking to pick a fight. What their end game is, I, I don't know, but uh, right now, 
very, very volatile times. And I think the big concern Britain has right now is, hey, we want this boat back and we want these 23 sailors back. You know, we don't want this to turn into an Iranian hostage crisis like you saw back in 1979 with uh, Jimmy Carter. So stay tuned. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, a lighter note, a lighter topic. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, the battle over Northridge continues, and at least so far, the good guys are winning. Uh, the Northridge property, and I mean, I grew up going to the Northridge Shopping Center. I mean, I think of all the different cool stuff we used to do there when it was thriving. It, it essentially had been in a you know in a death spiral for a number of years it closed in 2003 and it has been vacant since then it is an eyesore it is dilapidated it is falling down it is dangerous well what happened is a few years after 2003 you had this chinese group that came in and they they purchased this and the idea was they were going to turn it into a, a giant retail center for Asian type of products, like this kind of like a trademark or something like that. That was the idea that was floated. Well, okay, nothing happened with that. And the group has owned for a number of years. They've done absolutely nothing. The thing has gotten worse and worse and worse, and now it is a danger. And what happened is the city, correctly in my opinion, moved in and said enough is enough. And what they essentially did is they condemned the project. They said, look, it to fix this up would cost more than it's worth, and you know we, we're going to tear this down. We're going to tear this down. Well, after they said they're going to tear it down, then mysteriously this group that's done nothing with this for a decade rolls in. So, hey, wait, wait a minute. Here, we've got these plans. And then they, they show these drawings. And then they give them to the TV stations. And the TV reporters guppy on this. And they run out and they show people in the neighborhood, look at these designs. What do you think? And people in the neighborhood say, that looks pretty cool. Well, okay, the problem is those are the same things that were around for 10 years. I mean, clearly... This for I don't know what the end game is, but this investment group, they have no realistic intention of trying to do anything with this property. If they did, they would have done it 10 years ago. And everybody that I know that is familiar with this industry says at this point in time, there's no way in the world. It would be absolutely foolish for anybody to try to take, you know, however many millions of dollars it would take to try to retrofit you know fix up the Northridge mall right now to try to put in an asian trademark and i know lots of people in the industry everybody says it's nuts it's not going to happen they use stronger language to me but i can't say that on the radio well anyhow you know faced with the threat of demolition now the group comes in and says wait what do you mean you're gonna tear this down don't be silly well uh there was a hearing earlier this week in front of uh you know the 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 a milwaukee commission it's called the Milwaukee Standards and Appeals Commission that are the ones that look and, and view the raise, R-A-Z-E, tear it down, the raise order. And they said, nope, nope, this, this building is coming down. Well, okay, now this, this investor group that's dragged its feet for 10 years, the next step is they can file a lawsuit in circuit court and try to stop it. And my guess is they will probably do that. Again, I don't understand what the end game is. But this, this group has been jerking the city of Milwaukee and people in this community around for the better part of a decade. That's just the reality of this. And to simply say, okay, we're going to allow this to continue. And they say, oh, we'll, we'll have this all done in two years. Well, two years from now. You know, we're going to roll around and it's going to be in the same condition it was today and it's going to be in the same condition it was two years ago or worse. So uh, the demolition order upheld the owners likely to sue. 
I would say bring it on. My guess is they will and they should lose. Okay, really quick. If you are a subscriber of Netflix, and I know you probably are. I came late to the game, but I've got Netflix. Interesting numbers this week. Netflix reporting for the first time in nearly 10 years, the number of people subscribing to Netflix in the U.S. dropped. They had 130,000 fewer domestic subscribers at the end of the second quarter compared to the end of the first. Now, you know, globally, they added 2.7 million subscribers, but that was about half of what that they thought they were going to do. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people out there that still subscribe, you know, to Netflix. Um, 60 million people in the U.S. subscribe. 90 million people subscribe internationally. So it is still incredibly popular. At the same time, they they lost more people than they gained in the U.S. for the first time in 10 years. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. They're also worried because some of the most popular stuff on Netflix are reruns of old TV shows like Friends and The Office. And Netflix, over the next two years, will be losing both of those as the companies that own those shows go to their own digital streaming platforms. So you've got more. Netflix, for the longest time, was the only game in town. It was the coolest game in town. Now what you're seeing is there's more competition out there. Is Netflix in trouble? Netflix also raised its prices. So if you're a subscriber of Netflix, are you satisfied are you thinking of changing? Have you changed? 414-799-1620. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right, Netflix. There's, look, there's 60 million people that subscribe to Netflix. So that in the, in the U.S. alone, that's incredibly successful. 91 million worldwide. No question about it. That that's great. But 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 for the first time, they, they last quarter they lost subscribers. Now only 130,000. And that's a lot, but not in the context of 60 million. You know, is there a bigger problem? 414-799-1620. And as I said. Moving forward, Netflix is wrestling with a couple different issues. They're going to lose friends. They're going to lose the office um, to other streaming services. 414-799-1620. I personally, I don't think Netflix, I mean, Netflix isn't going anywhere anytime soon. But, and I don't think it's the cost. I I don't think that there's people who decided to drop it because it went up two bucks uh, a month or or whatever. I I just, I I don't think that was enough to cause people to drop it. Maybe I'm wrong there. I don't know that that price sensitive. My biggest problem with Netflix is, first of all, I find it very, very difficult to navigate around. I mean, I just, it's tough to find what's on. It's not, to me, it's just not intuitive. I'd like to, you know, I wish they had a better table of contents where you could just kind of find, okay, what are the shows that are there? You know, what what are the movies? What's there? I find it very difficult to navigate around. Now, that could just be me. The other thing that I think is out there is I think a lot of, a lot of the content, a, a lot of the shows aren't that great. 
you know, they, they've, they've, they've put all these resources into all these, like, streaming TV shows and stuff that they produce, almost to the point that there's almost too much out there. You know, they've got a couple of big hits, like that Stranger Things, which, you know, just dropped in its third season. There's almost, like, too much out there. And, and a lot of the stuff, candidly, in my opinion, just really isn't that, isn't that good. It's it's not like, with the exception of a couple different programs. I mean, Orange is the New Black, which is ending, and then you've got the Stranger Things. It's not like it's not like they've got a lot of compelling must-watch TV, and I think they're struggling in that regard. For you know, people who are saying, "Okay, what is it that I'm getting here that's worth the ten or twelve or fourteen bucks?" Here's a text, Jeff. I'm not jumping shit on chip on Netflix, even though I'm a little mad that they're raising their prices and losing it on a lot of these shows. I don't feel like sitting through the other companies' growing pains while they get their services up and running. Do they actually think each person is going to pay for twelve different streaming services when everything is all said and done? I think that's an extremely valid point. Point there, um, person says they're not jumping ship on, on Netflix, and I and I get that all, um, but I, I and I think this until these other services get set, I don't think that they're going to be in a lot of trouble yet. But is the future going to be unlimited growth? I don't think so. Jeff in Fox Point, Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, I'm going to be fickle with Netflix. Uh, I'm not going to drop it entirely, but I'm probably going to be going in and out according to like when their original programming comes on. For example, if, if Ozark comes on, which is a show I like a lot, I'll have it. But then when Ozark ends, I'll probably get out of it. Oh, so you'll 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 tune in, buy it for a month or two, wait till the thing drops, and then kind of after that, you watch all the shows and then you move on. Yeah, and I might do similar stuff with like Hulu. With like Hulu, I don't know if it's possible to do it with Prime, but I'll probably do that with Hulu, Hulu, and and maybe other stuff as well. Okay, so you're an Ozark fan, huh? Oh yeah, I love that show. I really I, I, okay. I watched the first season. Watched the first season. Haven't been necessarily motivated to to go back and watch the subsequent seasons. It's worth it, huh? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a lot better than a lot of the other stuff out there, but I do admit that it's an acquired taste. Yeah, okay. I think. I mean, I, I watched that because somebody recommended it. It's kind of like the other one was was, um, it was set It was set in the Florida Keys, and I love the Keys, and it's called Bloodlines. And I watched the first year. They, it was a three-season show. You know, after I got done with the first year, I'm like, okay, I, I've just spent seven or eight or ten hours of my life watching this, and do I really care enough to watch the next two years? And ultimately, I, I kind of decided, no, I haven't watched the next couple seasons. But... You know, every once in a while, there's going to be stuff that attracts me. But Netflix used to be just a license to print money. Maybe not as much anymore. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Fem Rejuvenation Clinic. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. All right. Now, I've got some bad news for you, and I'm not talking about bad news like where the stock market is or the fact that Republicans can't stand Democrats and vice versa. I'm not talking about the fact that you've got all these problems in the Strait of Hormuz with the crazy Iranians now starting to seize tankers and daring other countries to see what they're going to do. Okay, those are all all issues, and they're things to be worried about, and that's certainly all bad news. I get all that, but here's some other bad news. Today is July 19th. As I was saying earlier, State Fair starts in less than two weeks. And to me, that, that's kind of the 
unofficial beginning of the end of the summer. Summer's not over, but it's kind of the beginning of the end of the summer. And, and here's just the reality. I mean, I didn't quite do the math, but six or seven weeks from now, you know what happens? Gru, do you know what happens six or seven weeks from now? Fall. Well, Labor Day. Yeah, absolutely. And then fall after that. I mean, it, it, it just got warm. I understand there's people complaining because it's 91 degrees outside. I'm not going to be one of those guys. But summer is slipping away. There's only six or seven weeks of summer left. What the heck happened to that? Kids are going to be going back to school. We're going to be digging out our fall and winter clothes. We're going to be preparing to who's going to plow the driveway. Where does the snowblower work? All those type of things. I hate to be the harbinger of doom, but that's what summer is ending. I mean, I understand it runs till September 21st, but after Labor Day, it's, it's kind of sort of all downhill. Baseball season is more than half over. All right, summer is slipping away, but it doesn't mean we have to go quietly into that good night. One of the things that I know is a staple for many and many, many of us are vacations. And I want to talk about travel-related things. All right, where is? You've got six or seven weeks left in the summer. All right, if somebody were to be listening to us now and say, my God, I just remember it. it, You're right, it's it's coming up in six or seven weeks. We've got to plan a vacation. We have to go somewhere. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Pop Culture Corner this week brought to you by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. All right, if somebody's got to plan a, a summer vacation, you're leaving Milwaukee, leaving southeastern Wisconsin, or I guess maybe it could even be a stay vacation. All right, where's the best place to go for an outstanding summer vacation? Where is your favorite vacation spot, again, for the summer? And it's a different question than if I'm asking you this in January and you're trying to get away from the cold. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Where do you go if you haven't planned your vacation or maybe you've got your vacation coming up and maybe it's a weekend, maybe it's a week, maybe it's two weeks, I don't know. Where are you looking forward to going? Where is your ideal vacation? Where is your dream vacation? Where is your happy place? For a summer vacation, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And as I always advise people during the segment, our phone lines tend to jam up. So please, you know, call early, and uh, we will try to get to as many calls as possible. Also, don't overthink it. Sometimes people say, well, that would sound silly. No, I mean, where would you like to go if you were recommending somebody? Maybe it's up north. Maybe it's down to Texas. Maybe it's going to Canada. I don't care. Where is the place that you recommend going? 414-799-1620. You've got six or seven weeks. If you're still trying to figure out a place to go this summer before summer slips away, where is it? Gru is lining up the calls. We are back to talk about it in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, and this is Pop Culture Corner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. I, I really do hate to be the harbinger of doom. We've we only got six or seven weeks of summer left. I mean, man, Labor Day, everybody's back in school and things. If you're planning a vacation or somebody's listening who's planning a vacation, where's the very best place they can go in the summer? Let's start with Lou in Waterford. Lou, you're first. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good. Okay, where do you want to go in the summer? Well, I'll tell you what, you'd be surprised to hear to put uh, Aruba. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being is that you basically have your own island. <laughs> nobody, nobody goes, Jeff. Nobody's there. And, and my understanding is, because it's so close to the equator, uh, Aruba isn't necessarily, it's really no hotter in the summer than it is in the winter. It's pretty much the same temperature all year round. 
You are so right. And it also has a constant breeze out there where you do not get hot. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a getaway. It's unbelievable. Long flight and all that stuff. But, yeah, uh, well, but it's yeah. going to be. No, th- thanks for I've never been to Aruba. Now, the reason I, I know a little bit about the area is it's part of the ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and Carousel, I think, that are, it's kind of right off the coast of Venezuela. My my sister-in-law, my my sister-in-law is married to a man, Franz, my brother-in-law, I guess. Um, he's from Aruba, and they both got placed in Aruba, and they keep saying, Jeff, you have to come down here, and that, that's certainly on my, my bucket list and stuff. I'm, I'm not big into diving and things like that, which is one of the big things you do, but... Uh, yeah, and, and you're exactly right. My understanding is it's just it's the same temperature year after year. I think I'm going to save my Bonaire trip till January, though, till till a January or February some year. Mike and Franklin, Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Okay, you're going to go somewhere in the summer. Where is it? Well, uh, just got back on Wednesday from the South uh, Black Hills of South Dakota. Oh. It's, uh, scenery spectacular, unlike anything here in Wisconsin. In that. Elevation makes it a little bit cooler. Uh huh. Um, had you been there before? Yes, I have. Okay. Did you camp or did you stay in hotels and things? Well, actually, my wife and I we uh, rented a uh, B and B. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, it was it was fantastic. Uh, white-tailed deer, turkey, um, cool nights, beautiful. Uh huh. Well, I, it's just I when I was in college, I dated a girl, woman who was uh, from Rapid City, South Dakota. So we would go up there to visit her parents from time to time, and you know, I, I would make the you'd make the drive through Custer State Park up there, and then drive out to uh, Mount Rushmore and look at that. And one of uh, one of my close friends worked at Wall Drug for a couple years during the summer. You know, because uh, the, the, the tourist trap, right? Yeah, the right trap. yeah, but it was it was kind of you know he had great stories about it. So yeah, it was a tourist trap, but you get free ice water. I mean, what more could you need? Exactly. It was absolutely beautiful. Uh, we did the Custer uh, State Park Loop. Uh, right. The bison were full force, and uh, Deadwood is right there. So you got a little bit of everything. Absolutely. No, thanks, Guy. I have been to Deadwood. I, I was in Deadwood before they legalized gambling, um, and, and I think I think it's a markedly different town. Gambling is really kind of a casino gambling and stuff. G- gave it, a, from what I understand, really even brought more tourists and stuff in. But I sure, I remember the Black Hills, and I certainly remember the stories about my buddy Greg who worked at uh, Wall Drug. Bill in Oshkosh. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. Okay, for somebody who's planning a place to go this summer, they're still looking for an idea, where do they go? Seattle, Washington. Okay, tell me why. Well, for one, there's a lot to see there. Uh, the Space Needle. Mm-hmm. And there's, right next to it, there's a place called Chuhili's, which is, this gentleman is a world-renowned glass blower. Okay. And I've been there and gone through his museum. It's hard to explain in words what you see there. Okay. Because... Everything is absolutely hand blown glass. Oh. oh, so it's very cool. And thanks for calling. But I want to get to as many calls as I can. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the mortgage talk and text line. Yeah, I, I haven't been to Seattle in years. Let me see. Let me go to a couple texts here. Door County, and and yeah, how can you go wrong with Door County? Theater, arts, golfing. 
I love Peninsula State Park. I just and and I love golfing. It's just a great course there. Drive-in movies, state parks, a cool lake breeze. Yeah, you know, and and it's um there's a there's an energy in Door County during the summer that I think is extremely cool. Okay, here's another one. Mount Rushmore, the Corn Palace and Wall Drug in South Dakota. Uh, Bayfield and the Apostle Islands on Lake Superior. Here's one. Karen in Franksville said, Barcelona. I was there last year at this time of the year. It is a amazing city. Um, never been to Barcelona. Definitely, here's another one, an Alaskan cruise. I've done it. I would love to do it again. Yeah, this is the time that you do um, certainly do that. Uh, here's another text. Hands down, Washington, D.C. I think it's the best place to visit in the summer. The rest of the year, I'd say Vegas or Tampa, but give me D.C. in the summer. I, I will say this, and this comes from the perspective of somebody who had the opportunity, based on what I used to do in a past life, I, to go back and forth from D.C. a lot. If you have never been to D.C., you got to go. You, you just absolutely have to go. It's just amazing. And, and August in D.C., can be very very hot it can be sweltering you get these 93 days three days like we have now and the, the intense humidity and stuff but you know the smithsonian's uh, all the all the museums they're air conditioned the national gallery of art is air conditioned it's just it's an amazing place and if you have children you owe it to them to take them there now my advice would be if you're doing that and you're doing it as part of a road trip well swing on down and go check out like colonial williamsburg and stuff like that i mean make it Make it a trip. Maybe go up to Baltimore or go down to, you know, again, Virginia, go through Richmond and end up in Williamsburg and swing around. I mean, really, really take advantage of it. A couple of people are saying Maine. I, Maine is, that's on my bucket list as well. Maine is one of the few states that I have never been to. I've, I've never, never been to Maine. Got up close to Maine, but never been there before. Hugh in West Dallas. Hugh, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, hello. Say, uh, summertime is a great time of the year to go to Hawaii and cool off. Okay, where in Hawaii? Where in Hawaii do you like? Uh, I love Maui. Uh, yeah. I've been to Hawaii several times, and uh, the weather is basically pretty much the same all year round, winter and and summer. But now, of course, it's off season, so the prices are much better, oh. and it's not as crowded. And uh, it's just a uh, it's a beautiful place to go. And I would highly advise to go to Hawaii and cool off. Well, and get and, and get low prices. No, thanks to call. I mean, Hawaii is one of those places again that you think of you going when it's November, or December, it's January, it's February, or or March. I was I was in Hawaii a number of years ago. A Oahu, which is the big island where they've got you know Waikiki Beach and stuff, that was okay. I mean, it, but uh, to be brutally honest, and I'm glad we went because I got to see Pearl Harbor. But um, it was it reminded me of like any big warm weather city, Maui. Oh my gosh, Maui was just tremendous, and it's what I thought Hawaii you know was all about. David in West Dallas, David, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. Hi, David. Uh, I'm finally made it made it on the show. Uh, Actually, actually, my favorite spot would would be would be a San Diego. Okay, even in the summertime, huh? Well, I originally tried to get there a little bit more towards the end of summer, and but yeah, I mean, there's just so much to do out there. You've, you've got all the zoos, you know, wild yeah. animal parks, and and everything else out there, and it's and it and it's just beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah, it, no, thanks. It, it is it is definitely. Just an absolutely beautiful area. There, there's no question about it. The zoo is, you're right, the zoo is a tremendous. It's outdoors. You kind of walk down and walk back. Um, I'm, 
I'm sort of fortunate because at least for the foreseeable future, I don't need an excuse to go out there because my darling niece, uh, Sydney, she's going to be a junior at San Diego State next year. So, you know, if, there, if there's ever an excuse to, well, you don't need an excuse. If you ever want to just, oh, we're going to go to San Diego. Let's go visit Sydney. Okay, that's going to be the justification. I, I, I think San Diego is just a, a great town as well. You're right. There's always something fun to do. Uh, Nova, somebody texts in, Jeff, Nova Scotia, beautiful in the summer. I, I, you know, I, I would, I would throw in a couple other things as well, especially for kind of road trips. If you, if you are a student of history, summer is a great time to kind of not just visit Washington, but also, also visit like battlefields and stuff. Uh, Gettysburg. If you haven't been to Gettysburg and you you have any interest in the Civil War, you really should go. Now, the Battle of Gettysburg was fought in late June and early July of what 1863. But but still, I mean, you you go in July, you go in August, and you get an idea of what it must have been like for those soldiers to fight that battle then. So that would be cool. I will tell you about one of my bucket list vacations that myself and my lovely wife were going to do. We're going to do in August, not this year, but but some year. Uh, and and I've always wanted to. She's always wanted to go to Niagara Falls, so we're going to go to Niagara Falls. I've always wanted to go to Saratoga Racetrack, which is like one of the oldest racetracks and one of the most exclusive racetracks in the country. They run from mid July through Labor Day, and I've always wanted to go to Cooperstown Baseball Hall of Fame. So. You know, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who grew up out there, and we were kind of like mapping it out. And do you fly into Buffalo or do you fly into Albany? But, you know, over the course of a couple days, you rent a car, and, you know, everything's within a few hours of each other. You could catch all those type of things. So I'm like, okay, this is on our bucket list, and we're not going to be able to do it this year, um, although we do have a vacation coming up in just a couple weeks. Uh, and then we've got our big cruise uh, to uh, Europe, Amsterdam, down the Rhine. That's coming up the first week in September. I'll be gone for like a week and a half for that. So got a couple of vacations coming up. Bottom line is you have been warned summer is kind of winding down. You've got six or seven weeks. Don't sit on your laurels. Go out and enjoy it. Speaking of not sitting out, sitting on his laurels, John McCure is on the road. He's down in Oak Creek. We're going to talk to him in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. This has been Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme um, Rejuvenation Clinic.